0: Hi, everybody. Dan here from Diginomica. A couple of weeks ago, Josh Greenbaum, fellow analyst and myself, had a conversation, fairly wide-ranging, but the premise of the conversation was around pricing. Um, For enterprise software, that is, of course. Now, it's an interesting topic, especially at a time like now when budgets are under, under pressure, where cash flow is a problem, and where companies are wanting to see more value than ever, from their software investments, days of the huge project are gone. Now it's all about tactical winning. Anyway, let's get this conversation going. So, so let me just give you. Let me put the context of why I wanted this conversation in place, so that you, you you're fully up to my speed at yeah. least. Right. So I, I read your piece on extreme heterogeneity. I can't even say it. Heterogeneity. Heter- heterogeneity. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And, and I understood I understood where you were coming from, from that perspective. And then Bob stu- stood up. Uh, you, I think you, sh- you must have heard him and said, you know, oh, yeah. we've got to start thinking about this differently. Which was a real breath of fresh air coming from a vendor. I mean, a number of us have said this for years, not necessarily knowing what the answer would be. And then um, last week, along come um, the good guys at Salonis. Well... The guys at Solonis saying, essentially, at least if, if, if my understanding of it is correct, is you know what? We think that the world of enterprise software needs to be fundamentally different, and the only way you're going to completely rewire it is if you go in this particular direction. You know, the whole process mining, some um, uh, automation, call it robotics if you want, and some other things going along the side of it. Some of which looks like magic to me, which is why I'm not completely bought in. But it does bring up the question of pricing in the sense that I've been talking to a bunch of customers recently, sorry, a bunch of vendors recently, and said, okay, what are you doing about the the impact of the pandemic? Not one of them has said they want to address the issue of price. And that strikes me as being um, desperately self-serving, because at the end of the day, you can give me as many discounts as you want. You can give me as as much um, time to pay as you want. But at the end of the day, if I can't pay, won't pay, you, you've got to do something else. And pricing is the one mechanism that, at least in my mind, has the best opportunity of, of helping me to stay alive. So it was in those, it was in that kind of context that I was thinking, oh, sorry, and, and the coming cash crunch. There's got to be a cash crunch at some point in the not too, di- too distant future. So, you know, some people are going to go, some businesses are going to go out, and never come back anyway but for those that survive it's still going to be tough right. and it was really in that context that i was that i was trying to figure out a way of having a conversation that can move this needle forward or sideways or whichever way it needs to go even whether it's worthwhile but that was okay. that was my background josh so you, okay. you tell me what you see
1: well you know and i i, I think you know they're, they're all very very valid points i think mean, fundamentally we you know, we have at the bottom sort of in infrastructure layer of the industry, <clears throat> a, um, a Wall Street, VC money game that doesn't want to interrupt the cash flow at all. And so as much as the front end, and this has been one of my problems and one of the reasons I wrote that, that post. Whereas you know at the front end the vendors are talking very strongly about customer centricity, customer success. They they are making all the right moves, at least verbally. In the back end, they're still you know largely built on a model that absolutely, for the public companies in particular, requires just you know utter subservience to the quarterly cadence of Wall Street. And that, I you know that's going to be the trick, right? I mean, if you look at Zoho, you know they've done a really good job of of just saying. You know, as long as we are private, we have control over our destiny and our customers' destiny, and we'll do it. And they they are one of the radicals, who's changed pricing in a in a pretty appropriate way. Uh, but everyone else who's beholden to the money side of the business has to really watch out about what they do. I mean, Bob Stutz, bless his heart, you know is, you know doesn't run the GPO side of SAP. He doesn't set policy for for. For pricing, and I'm sure a lot of people had their feathers ruffled by that statement. Um, Whether you know for good or for bad, I think I think he made the right statement. I think, you know, executing that in the inside of a company like SAP or anybody, any company of that ilk in size, I don't see how it's going to happen without a lot of pain.
0: Okay, so on occasion, if I write something about SAP and I, I I don't write as much as, as people might think I do, but, it, and it does tend to be SAP heavy. Um, <clears throat> there's a fair chance that within 48 hours, I'm going to get a call that says, hey, can we get you to speak to so-and-so, right? And y- y- you, know the, you know the way they play the game. Let, let us straighten out your thinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, at least they're talking, yeah. They, they want to have the conversation. That's probably yeah. <laughs> than many.
0: But But what was notable was that they didn't they didn't ring up about this that one when I wrote about studs. <laughs> so clearly they don't want to have that conversation. But at the same time the world is shifting from beneath them to a degree. And I do wonder at what point they have to start realizing that there are big lumps of what they do that fundamentally is is commodity, yeah. You know? And therefore should be priced accordingly. I don't know. I mean do you have any do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think, I think this is, this is the problem is that, um, you know, and and I think the commodity side is, has two, there's two sides to the commodity problem. Absolutely. Right. You know, once you, when you really look at commoditization, I mean, this is the, this is the story of enterprise software, right? You know, yesterday's innovation is tomorrow's commodity or today's commodity. Um, Mm -hmm. if, If you look at moving, you know, as the, as you know, as the vendor's products move to become more commonplace and therefore commodity-like, the question is, is this how the customer wants to consume it? Or more precisely, does the enterprise software customer want to be treated like a commodity customer? Because when you look at how commodity pricing creates commodity experiences, most of us don't want those ex- kinds of experiences. We want, if you will, enterprise experiences. We don't wanna be treated like, you know, like the guy buying pork belly futures and, you know, a billion barrels of crude. We want actual real customer service. So I think there's that problem uh-huh. with, with it. But I think at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's, co- it's very complex. And in particular, when, when you look at, you know, what, what, you know, to really throw the uh, question out, what about, what about you know, what are you paying all that maintenance for? <laughs> when at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're still paying for more and what you thought would have been free was something you have to pay for again. And, you know, and what, how did you get a benefit from the commoditization of the stuff that was a premium product? five years ago. I think, you know, I mean, there's so many elements in the model, honestly, I, I, that would have to be unraveled. It's, it's a little mind boggling to figure out how you can even proceed.
0: So the interesting thing that came out of my most recent discussions um, around the whole process mining thing was, was the very obvious but not often spoken about reality that, first of all, did people ever really get value out of their ERP? And if, if not, then why, okay? Um, I, I, I don't think I can even count on the fingers of one hand the number of uh, customer implementation stories where I could actually go back to the customer and say, well, what was your return on investment there? You can all talk about TCO, that's fine, but what was your return on investment? Because you, you just don't see it in the financial results. It just doesn't, doesn't appear.
1: Um, this is the Sobel the, the, the effect, right? It's It's, you know... Um, you, you, can see the, you can see the impact of technology everywhere, but in the productivity statistics, quote, unquote. Yeah. 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 So, so
0: what real difference did it make? And part of the reason I believe is because when, when you start to look at what really happens in the enterprise, there's, there's a woman I call Betty in the corner, right? And, and, and Betty knows all the little workarounds for whatever particular process you're looking at that you struggle with on a day-to-day basis and she, she's your fixer right nothing to do with the software nothing to do with implementation just trying to get around how you deal with it and then you say well how why is it a problem well it was a best practice that was implemented oh really <laughs> and, and and who follows best practices i don't know i don't i don't see terribly many examples of it but what i do see and especially when you expose these things through these mining technologies is that if there is a best practice there somewhere it's hidden behind a whole bunch of workarounds and that in some senses might well explain the lack of productivity that has been referred to from time to time but it doesn't avoid the practice it doesn't avoid the problem of what do you deal with and how do you deal with your landscape going forward and, and how do you how do you see value in it because if at the end of the day what you're doing is now applying What was talking about the other day, this whole execution management process—if you apply, you know, sort of like the low-code, no-code situation to all of this, where you can see genuine value, yeah—then what does this mean for the stuff that's already been there for some years and for which you've been paying maintenance for two hundred years? You know, that—that's—it's—it's that kind of environment that I'm that I'm thinking about because there's no question that. And I know we talk about SAP, but this could be Oracle, it could be Infor, it could be Microsoft, it could be any of these Everybody's, companies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, th- there is no question that the th- that customers are tired. They're, they're fatigued. They they want to know where the value is coming from. And they, they're, they're tired of having to buy into the same old argument year after year and just not seeing it. It's, it's, it's really in that overall context that I Trying to figure out what happens next. I don't. I don't have a good answer. I won't say that I do. Um, but I do believe that that something has to change, and it's a question of well, what is that something? Right.
1: No, and I. I, I mean, I, I like this solanus approach too, and, and I like it uh, not because I honestly I have sort of dug under the covers deeply and you know and really explored its technological metal as much as. It speaks to the solving a very, very severe problem, which is, which I think can be seen as a positive. And that problem is I'm not getting enough value sure. from these silos. How do I extend the value? Well, one way to extend the value is to you know interconnect them better and, and build these end-to-end processes. And in doing so, let's you know we'll set aside the problem of I've been paying a zillion dollars a year in maintenance for this forever and. You know, I don't have a lot to show for it, other than a bill. Um, it, it, it does say it does a good job. So and so and, and so there's, they're not the only ones doing this, but they're a good example of, of mm-hmm. saying, okay, let's 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 take the the problem of, of old infrastructure as given, and you know, sort of make lemonade out of those lemons. Um, uh, and I think there's a lot of places in the economy where you can look at the efficiencies. Of integration and see them as more valuable ultimately than, you know, than the processes they're originally based on. And this is a good example. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's, it's, it speaks. It's a problem that maybe should never have existed, but it sure as heck does. So, you know, I think. And it's been
0: amazing. massive. And it's been massively exposed as a result of the pandemic, no doubt right. in my mind. Yeah. You know, I and mean, digital you're...
1: transformation in general. I mean, that's you know. What's an end-to-end process? Well, you, you know, when you when you, when you think end you know an end-to-end digital experience means I'm going to have a better you know website, and you forget about what's happening in the supply chain. <laughs> uh, you you haven't done it. you haven't transformed. You've actually screwed yourself. So you know end-to-end really does have to happen for these transformations to take place.
0: I remember having you know when when the pandemic hit and all the supply chains got got clobbered. I remember having conversations with, uh, with folk because, uh, you, you know, the, I mean, the vendors came out and said, hey, you know, refactor your supply chain. And I said, well, OK, fine. Sure. Just tell me, just tell me how the hell do you get your supply chain back operating when a ship is stuck in the middle of the ocean and or can't get out of a port or can't get into a port? How's your super supply chain system going to work there? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, this I, was, I, I don't know if you were, were on the Canaxis um, analyst conference uh, yesterday, but this is exactly the point. It's like, okay, there's a certain amount of planning you can do for disaster and a certain amount of planning you can do for contingency. And then there's the first few months of the pandemic, which no, no plan could possibly cope with that. Right. that that's, that's not something you can, you can't plan for that level of disruption precisely because how you know when every ship is stuck on the open seas or trying to get into a harbor that can't open mm. um, yeah
0: so, and it's still a problem by the way it's
1: still a problem oh, yeah. i can't buy a bicycle i've been trying i had two bicycles stolen actually three really uh really and, yeah long long <clears> sad <throat> story um but i i i i've been trying to buy a new bike or you know since since may there's no, there's no bikes. There's that supply chain hasn't been, you know, recreated sufficiently, at least to get out to California.
0: Yeah, I, I have the same problem with plastic models. <laughs> there are, there are some, there are some models that have, were announced a while back, and it's like, well, where are they? Uh,
1: well, they're still
0: stuck in China. They're still stuck in Japan. Or, hey, you can order them from Japan. You might get them next year. <laughs>
1: No, the, the, and it's it's you know you can see it even even the companies you know I just got a new Hewlett Packard laptop they ship direct now from China there's no intermediary distribution center comes straight from the shop because <laughs> there that's and and it takes a month.
0: Um, so Have they have they they've reorganized their distribution then have they?
1: Well, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing in the in the. In the trace, uh, any distribution center, I'm seeing. I mean, I'm I'm sort of exaggerating, but basically, it's it's dropship from directly from it looks like a you know (laughs) the loading dock of a factory.
0: Okay. So one of the other one of the other things that you talked about was your sort of exasperation at buyers who seem to be caught up in a in a problem of inertia and of. Of um, illogical
1: thinking, has, has any of that changed? You mean on the customer side? Yeah. Well, you know the, the problem. The problem of extreme heterogeneity, heterogeneity is that the, you know it takes two to really screw this one up. And it's not, <laughs> you know, it, it's in fact three. I'll throw the I'll throw the systems integrators in the pile as well. I mean, this has been this has been a you know a dance with the. Dance with the devil for a number of years. Um, mm. So you know the, the the silos in the vendor community are replicated by similar silos in the user community, and mm. that that is a huge issue. And you know Solana's blessed their hearts, you know, are trying to very hard to do something in a world where there isn't a buyer of end-to-end process necessarily, or a buyer who can really understand that at a systematic level. It's there's a process owner, is that process owner the buyer? Are they the influencer? Can they drive IT in that way? Not necessarily, they don't have the power either. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a whole, and, and this, this is really drives a whole nother discussion honestly about what I call the culture of mediocrity. You know, we have put up with, and you and I have been around for a long time and we've watched literally the modern enterprise software industry be created in front of our eyes. We have, we, we have, what we've been witnessing is is a fundamental culture of mediocrity. It's okay that this stuff doesn't work very well. It's okay that my projects don't get done on time. It's okay that we have this mess um, because it's job security, because it's how we've always done it, because, 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 because. And uh, at the end of the day, we, you know, this is the other side of the productivity problem. We're just not, you know, this, we're not getting the bang for the buck because We don't necessarily, we're not even set up for it. I mean, look at, look at what's happening in the vendors right now. Every vendor is now suddenly talking about customer success. Every single one of them, without a doubt, they suddenly woke up to this thing called customer success. 30 years later, um, you think they're going to change their DNA to, you know, with, with those pronouncements? No way. And, and, you know. It's not just because the DNA in the company, the vendor community sucks. It's because they don't have counterparts on the user side to work with either. I Here's
0: something interesting, which may be an indicator for the future. Maybe. I've now spoken with um, three um, Oracle customers on the balance who have done new implementations of the whole Oracle Fusion thing, right? Hmm. Now, <clears throat> you and I can argue and discuss whether you know they're getting feature function compatibility or whether it fully delivers, and yada yada yada. I mean, we can always talk about that given Fusion's history. But here's the common thing that came across, and I have, the last conversation was literally an hour ago, so it's very fresh in my memory. And that is is that they're all saying that you know Oracle's reputation in the past has not been good. No surprise there. But what they have found is a true partner in being able to do what they need to do. Now that was the thing that initially when I heard it, it, it rocked me back on my heels because it wasn't something that I particularly anticipated, even though I know that Steve Miranda in particular has been talking about this for, for quite some considerable time. But that that's something that I'm starting to see as a thread running through the customers that they're bringing to me. Now, Is that something that changes the dimension? If I have a trusted partner, do I feel that I'm getting more value from it? Probably. Do I feel as though I'm prepared to pay the price that they want to charge me? Probably, because I have trust. And and that is something, I'm I'm not hearing this, sorry, I am hearing this elsewhere in bits and pieces. Um, but it was primarily because I'd heard it the first time that I turned around to Oracle and said, Give me a, show me another bunch of customers that say this. I didn't want it to be you know, just one guy who had come to me with a fairly straightforward, complete re-implementation project, turning around and saying, well, this has been great, blah, 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 blah. I wanted it repeated in different scenarios, and that's what I'm seeing. Now, that's, that's trust is something that I will pay a premium for.
1: Heck, yeah. Yeah. Um? I said, heck yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's that's worth a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, it's interesting because I I did a I did a study, and I'm I'm actually trying to figure out how many years ago it was. It was probably four or five years ago, where I looked at the difference between Oracle, particularly, was looking at Oracle customers versus um, versus SAP customers, primarily. And what I found was an amazing loyalty among Oracle customers. That was I, there's a lot of these CIOs, and now, frankly, the selection was local, primarily local. So these were local CIOs, and, and which is fine. You know, it's in Oracle's backyard. They've been uh, they've been around for a while, but quite a number of them said they basically have def- they've just taken the whole question of IT buying off the table. We're just going to buy from Oracle. I don't have to do the selection process anymore. I don't have to do the you know, the evaluation, the bake-off, all that nonsense. I'm just gonna move forward my portfolio the way they move. I don't, and to a man and woman, they said, I don't think they're gonna screw that up too bad. And and to be, I mean, that was a maybe damning with faint praise, but it, but they know, they recognize that, you know, the leadership of that company does understand technology and can deliver it. So it may be that Oracle's, a, you know, that's an expression of that. And then you add the fact that actually, you know, Fusion kind of really eventually was ready. <laughs> um, and it works. And it's integrated. And it's probably better integrated than some other products we know.
0: Again, this is this um, I mean, I've followed the Fusion story for quite some number of years now. But the thing that I've, uh, that I've been coming back to with Oracle is yeah, this is, this is fine. Just, just show me the customers. And they haven't been able to do that, but it's only recently that they have, and, that, and that's okay. Um, but this this issue of trust was something that I just didn't expect, because I know that certain parts of the, of the Fusion Suite are, they're not complete, right, um, mm-hmm. and they're not functionally on par with other things that you could probably you could put into that environment. But again, what customers are saying is, I'm prepared to wait. I can see that roadmap. They deliver on the roadmap. They've shown me that they deliver on the roadmap. I am involved with them. They don't do everything that I want. And sometimes they'll push back, but they will give me good reason to push back. And I can accept that. At the same time though, when I do genuinely need help, it's there to be had. You don't often hear that in in enterprise world, do
1: you? No, that's a breath of fresh air, (laughs) needless to say. But you know, this is to me why, you know, Obviously, and, and to be cynical, this is, you know, this is what's fueling some of this customer success, you know, uh, um, self, self-aggrandizement. self um, You know, the, 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 there's a recognition that this is, you know, you got to move up the food chain with the customer in, in every way possible, and including having a better relationship wow. uh, than you've had before. It has to be less adversarial. It has to be less, I'm going to shove, you know, I'm going to shove this down your throat and you're going to take it. Um, mm. But I think, um, I think it's hard. I think, you know, again, I, I'm curious, those customers you've been talking to, are they pretty much wall-to-wall Oracle or are they, they also are, extre- extremely heterogeneous?
0: Um, it's a little bit mixed if I'm honest, but from a, from a back office perspective, if you look at sort of uh, basic um, finance and HR processes, it's wall-to-wall Oracle. And part of that, that is the integration story. And yes, a lot of it is restricted to certain markets. It's not global, right? And if they if they claim global to me, it's like, I, okay, now I now I want to get out my microscope because nobody does it, right? Um, it's but and it's mostly, as I say, UK, uh, UK, US, Canada is a lot of it, right? But it's good enough. The point is, is it's good enough?
1: Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, and 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 I think that there's there's that. How do I put this? I mean, we, we, we with our bias towards technology, tend to think that, you know, it is about feature functionality, bake-offs, and, and I think you're probably the same. I do less and less of that work for my, my user clients. I'm not, they want someone who's going to do the very best, you know, they're going to bake off the deep feature functionality and you know, in, in a particular module or a particular product, I, you know, go go find someone else. So the the larger strategic value uh, doesn't necessarily come from from that one-off functionality at the bottom of the stack. Um, no,
0: it doesn't, no.
1: Right, and, and the decision points, uh, you know, I actually try to convince my clients not to make that your deciding point. Don't be seduced by that little thing in the corner that you think is so cool. Uh, if the rest of it isn't gonna work well for you. Uh-huh. You know, and that's. um I think you know, but customer loyalty loyalty is fascinating. I've been interviewing a bunch of customers uh, on a project and finding them loyal to a fault, literally.
0: Oh yeah,
1: uh, they're, they're literally to a fault. This stuff sucks, and they're still loyal. <laughs> and you know, now now, if I'm honest, and which I shall be, why, why does this this Things suck that they're doing well. It's it wasn't it wasn't implemented, right? They weren't necessarily the right bit. Their business is pretty unique relative to what this software is designed for. Um, you know, these these are you know these these this is all classic, right? So the fact that it sucks isn't necessarily about the vendor anyway. Um, it's just that, right. you know it's the vendor's brand on the on the you know, on the product. But there's also
0: a sense that. You know, I've I've spent years putting this stuff in. I can't take it out. There's no way that I can, oh, yeah. you know, legitimately turn to the board and say, let me rip and replace. But
1: and and, guess, and, get, my, get, and my, my end users would hang me in effigy if I did it, too.
0: But guess what? I might have to.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and that's hard. Look, you know, it's at the end of the day, it is all about change management. All of it. Okay, yeah. You know, yeah. And every single project, good or bad, really revolves around that. Mm. Um, But I, you know, and, and I think that, you know, and I think if you look at that from the, you know, from where we started this conversation, then the real issue on the table isn't price, actually. It's what do you do with whatever the hell it is that you bought for whatever price you paid for it. Right.
0: So it's a value discussion, yeah?
1: It's a value discussion. How do I achieve value?
0: Okay, so I I hate keep going back to SAP, but they're the big dog in this one. So, <clears throat> what about the impact that the hyperscalers are having? Because Jeff Scott at ASUG has been looking at this for some time. You know, do do the, um, you know, what 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 are, what difference do these people make in terms of how we deal with the company and all the rest of it? Right. Now, to me, there are two dimensions to that. One is, is that the hyperscalers do bring commodity to the table um, and they bring commodity and commodity pricing, uh, but they also bring something else. And that's, you know, if you look at um, AWS, for example, they have the best logistics capability in, in the world. And, you know, God help with anybody who's trying to sell logistics software if AWS decides to go into the, into the market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at Microsoft, Hello, Office 365, hello, Dynamics, hello, here's all the other stuff we're going to put to you, yeah? Right. Um, and if you think about Google, well, Google has some amazing um, analytics capability. It may not have an awful lot of other stuff, to be honest. But it's they've it's got- This
1: you're hiring with the intention of having a lot of other stuff.
0: Oh, yes. yes, 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 yes. So, So if you take those three together, I can perfectly understand why SAP in particular might be quite concerned about the hyperscalers because they're going to come at it from two directions, aren't they? One, you know, we have genuine best in class of X, whatever X might be. But also, by the way, we can do it faster, cheaper, better. And by right. the way, you can have all three. Um, would you see that as a dynamic that we should be thinking about?
1: Oh,
0: or, absolutely.
1: Or, Okay. No, but I, but I think there, there's a couple sides to it. One is the the... The advantage that the company, companies like SAP and we can put Infor in there, we can put Oracle in there, yep. um, who've been around the block, with Epicor. Let's throw. I want to add them too. Sage, they actually understand industries and verticals and micro verticals infinitely better than any of these hyperscalers. And I'm going to add Microsoft to that list. Uh, can and will Microsoft you know dynamics depends on partners to really drive that now they're, they're getting better at it but they're you know the, the fundamental difference between a hyperscalers enterprise software efforts and you know and a, sort of a top-tier traditional vendor is going to be at that you know at that vertical layer and I think that that's that's where you know an SAP or an Oracle or an infor anyone can, can differentiate I think the other thing and I just had this conversation, on the success factors analysts uh, call yesterday, one of the mistakes I think companies are making, the vendors are making is to try to dictate what hyperscaler the customer goes to. <laughs> I, th- I think there's two reasons that's a mistake. Number one is customer choice, customer choice. We never in the day, you know, we didn't say you had to run on Sun, you couldn't run on HP. I mean, someone tried. But I think the other reason it's stupid, just flat out dumb, is because the customers are doing it anyway, and then the question is, who's going to manage that single pane of glass between all the different cloud environments that my end-to-end process runs on now? Am I, and who, who are you going to turn to? Who's the unifying component? And the, you know, it's not to, you know, i can't ask AWS to monitor my Azure and Google Cloud, and and you know, you can go on down to the others as well. So is it going to be? It's either going to be my enterprise software vendor or it's going to be my ServiceNow or Solana's, or maybe, you know, or, you know uh, uh, and, and a collection of other third parties. Uh, so to me, the enterprise software folks, they, they should own that because if that's really, you know, that's a value add, that, that's a high, high monetary value add that they could be involved in instead of playing this, I don't understand game with, we'll tell you what hyperscale you're, you're going to run on for whatever reason.
0: I had a conversation with um, with Christian Klein just literally day or two before the UK lockdown. We met in London,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he, he the expression that he used was, "We want a seat at the table with the hyperscalers." Yeah, right. Is that is that the seat that you're thinking about? Because he didn't I articulate think, what
1: that meant. I think I think that yeah, they're, they're, they actually get to straddle two seats. One is the we're the we're the experts at at industry process. And we're the expert at at really making end-to-end work in a hybrid environment. I mean, that would be the two seats I would occupy if I were Christian. And, and you know, and Steve, Miranda, and, you know, and anyone else who wants to try to do that from the enterprise software space. Because because I don't see the hyperscalers doing it. I, don't, I My conversations with AWS a couple of years ago, they didn't even understand the problem.
0: Um, well, no surprise there. yeah. <laughs> no surprise okay so a lot of dimensions here here josh where do you think this goes next because you know when i read the article at the end of the day i i kind of visualized you sitting back putting your hands in the air and going what happens this is this is a hairball
1: (laughs) yeah um what does happen i you know i think that that Again, I'm, I'm sort of looking for, you know, I'm looking for who are the, you know, who are the integrators, the, uh, the next generation integrators? Who are the ones who are really gonna build that end-to-end process and manage it uh, despite the heterogeneity? Um, and, you know, I think that, that that's up for, it's up for grabs. I think that's why Solanas has had such huge traction. I think that's why ServiceNow is looking so strong right now uh, it's because p- these are two two of many companies who are trying to say you know we want to own that heterogeneity or, or own the solution to that heterogeneity, um, and I think that you know so you know if I had to put a you know put a crystal ball in front of me and 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 read it I would I would say that um, you know that until the vendors really get out of their get their head out of the sand and start talking about this heterogeneity problem forthrightly, um, they're gonna have to, they're gonna cede the ground to someone else who will. Um, And again, that's That's
0: interesting. That's interesting because traditionally the conversation has always been, oh, if you've got a big problem of this kind, come to us, right? Um, I think one thing that I have seen is at least a willingness to acknowledge the problem by Klein. Yeah, great.
1: Oh, they do. Yeah. They- and, and, and I talked with Thomas Zalesik last week about this as well. Yeah, they acknowledge yeah. the problem. And in fact, I'm very impressed that they and, 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 their, and, and their compatriots in the industry are starting to put up slides that have other vendors' logos on them, right. which is radical. Like the world is not just, you know, the world is not just digitally transforming and the only path to transformation is my platform. Now, that's kind of reassuring, at least they're getting it.
0: Well, they've always known it. They just haven't talked about it, right? Right. Okay. So <clears throat> then then the problem comes. Yeah, well, you know what, Christian, that's great. But you've got to get your line one, your line two, your line three people um, to, to buy into that message. And oh, by the way, the salespeople have got to buy into that message as well. Because um, that's where the rubber really does hit the road, is, as you and I both know. Um, salespeople, because of their nature, they'll sell whatever it is that they need to in order to get their commish.
1: Yep.
0: Um, but in this world, that doesn't really work, does it? I don't think it does anyway. I can't see it, it working.
1: It, I mean, the biggest, the biggest single DNA transplant needs to happen at the, at the field level, without a doubt. The field yeah. is still stuck in, in the 20th century. And that, that has to do with, you know, the whole customer success story, believe me, dies a painful, ugly death in the field. Um, and as much as the vendors are revamping the you know the commission structure to try to really put some notion of success into the into the compensation, I, I know from you know from this this startup I've had that does you know that 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 monitors the teamwork in an enterprise software project. Um, nobody wants that. Nobody wants transparency and accountability, even though it's absolutely unequivocally provable. That when you do that, guess what? You get better results. You get results that are more directly tied to customer success. But you know, they're, they're basically, you know, w- the bottom line is, you know, everyone loves transparency and accountability until they realize it actually is meant to pertain to them. And you can take that silly aphorism and you know extrapolate across all the issues we just talked to about. At the end of the day, all this stuff sounds really good, but the you know that AE trying to make quota, they couldn't give a rat's patootie. As long you know, they just want to make quota.
0: Right, right. Okay, Josh. Listen, we've talked about some some pretty big elements here, and I think they're they're all worth pursuing. Um, I'd like to think that I'm a little more hopeful about where this goes longer term. The question, as always, comes back to well, who's going to jump first?
1: <laughs> right.
0: Uh, who's going to jump first? And um, I have no idea who's, who that's going to be, if anybody, for that matter. But I do suspect. Well,
1: I, that I, think, I think I think customers
0: the, will bring it to. Them. Sorry, yeah. go on.
1: I, I think back to the money trail. I mean, if you look at the pioneer, you know, the 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 main pioneer, the only one I can really point point and go, they're doing it is Zoho. Uh, and they're yeah. small. They don't. They're, they're not going to. They, they don't have the scale, but but they're doing it, and precisely because they're 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 not publicly traded. Um, I think that that's a real, you know, that's a big tie-in. So the, the, the revolution has to come at the back end, at the money side, as you know, as well, in order for the front end to be able to do this. In my opinion, I mean, this is this is perhaps I would argue are more more your domain than mine, but um, that's where I would see
0: it. it. Zoho is really really interesting, you know. Um, I mean, it's a company that I've followed for goodness knows how many years now, and. They are a business partner of ours, so let's not pretend. Sure. Um, but the more that I look at them, the more appealing they become. I mean, I've been looking at them personally the last few days because I'm thinking, and you know, my thinking is no different to anybody else's in the sense that I'm looking around at what we do, and we've got we've got customer information all over the goddamn place, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's like we're a tiny company, and yet. I struggle, for instance, to fully understand what a customer looks like to me at the moment. yeah, And because it involves an awful lot of things that that we do to touch that particular customer um, that get surfaced in a variety of different places. And I'm thinking, do you know what? I wonder if I could do all this inside of Zoho. And would I be prepared to do that? And would I be prepared to pay their tax for for that capability? The more I look at it, the more I think, do you know what? I think I might just do that. And, Okay, we're a tiny little business. It right. Doesn't matter.
1: Well, but yeah, and then, you know, hey, I run a bunch of Zoho software. Um, you know, full disclosure, they've been client of mine as well. So I said, you know, you were you talking? Let, let me give me access to Zoho One. Let me let me play with it. Um, and I think uh, you know, I'll say, from you know, it's an interesting contrast to what I'm getting from Office 365. Office 365 Teams is a good example. Continues to advance to such a degree that. The, the the peak complexity is so far past that I struggle to use an iota of it and keep up with it uh, way too much for what I want. And teams has become a total disaster because they've made it so complicated and uh-huh. their lust for technological engineering superiority that it's, it's just over the top. At which point, you know, Zoho does on the one hand look under engineered in some ways and on the other hand, it's plenty functional for what, you know, what essentially 90% of my workday is. So, you know, that's, I think the other trade-off is how much can we live in peak complexity and, 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 and still maintain productivity? I, I, I'm not sure. I think that's the other nice thing, you know, maybe we don't have to have everything being, you know, updated every 25 minutes and, and you know, a, a new feature functionality list that's four pages long. And uh, that might be a good thing.
0: I have seen your tweets around uh, 0365 and I, I've, I've been, and Teams in particular. Um, so, and, and I, do, I do get sometimes drawn into using Teams and I can tell you, I can't get that thing to work first time round anytime. I have, to, I have to try and log in once and then it blows me out and then I try and log in again and then it gets me in.
1: Yeah.
0: It's, you it's know, bizarre.
1: A you want, I mean, here's the joke. There's a workaround, right? For, for all of that. And that's the problem. Back to again what we started with. There's going to be a workaround. Yeah. It shouldn't ha- there shouldn't be a workaround. It yeah. Be, you know. um, yeah. And, and ironically, I don't know if you are you a Mac user or a PC.
0: Yes. Yes, I'm a Mac user.
1: Because actually, there's better features. Some some of the features that the Mac version of Teams have aren't even available for for Windows. Ironically.
0: Oh my goodness. We're back to that one,
1: are we? Oh, my- yes. <laughs> um, and I spent an hour on ice, you know, but I mean, but we digress, except that we don't in the sense that, you know, I think peak complexity really is the, you know, one of the problems. And again, someone like Zoho is saying, well, maybe we don't need all of that. Yep. I mean, the problem is when you do need something and it's not available or it doesn't work right, then it's a double whammy. Sure. Um, sure. I, I'm seeing that as well. Okay, then,
0: Josh, that's a great way to bring this one to a a conclusion, at least, well, if if there is a conclusion at all. But um, I think what this does, and I'm increasingly finding myself doing the same thing, is when I'm talking about something, it's from a position that says, and by the way, here are the 20 other questions that you need to think about as well. Because I, I haven't got answers yet. And I think we're rapidly moving towards a place where answers are going to be needed. Because in the post-pandemic world, um, we're not going to go back to what we were doing. I can't see that that would make any rational sense whatsoever. Um, And that we do have a genuine opportunity to to drive value out of these blasted investments. But if we don't do it, then we're going to miss it. And others will. Others will. So... You know, I'd, I'd love to get answers from what, what people are saying. And, you know, I, it's coming in a drip feed fashion. I'm getting more people being more um, outspoken than, than perhaps I've seen in the past, which is good. Um, but at the end of the day, we've got to come up with solutions, I think. And I don't know yeah. where they are right now.
1: No, but you're right. I mean, the, the, the pressure, you know, behind the dam is getting a little too, uh, too big for the dam to hold. Sure. Little, okay. It'll eventually burst. This is true. Okay.
0: Let's leave it there for the time being, Josh. And um I'll produce this and uh, turn it into some content and um wait for the proverbial shit to hit the fan as people get annoyed at what we've said.
1: Can't wait. <laughs> been, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's been it's been a pleasure. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. It's really, it's it's fun. It's fun. And by the way, just so that you know, I really do plan on retiring.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 no i believe you it's just you know me too i'm just enjoying myself a little too much uh, in the meantime
0: Uh, yeah okay all right then josh listen i better crack on it it's half second i need to start talking to take care Bye -bye. Bye. bye